Now, what I'm about to share is very important. Very, very important. Not just important, but very, very important. It, it kind of guide you and it kind of remind you of what to be focused on. What you so much all the time kind of capture your attention. If you want to be anything better, you have to be proper focusing. Proper focusing. And it's very important. So, like I said, the word is simply reflections or reflection, if you want. Now, the first thing I would like you to see is that everyone is a reflector. Every human being is a reflector. By that I mean to say, whether you want to believe it or not, you are a reflector. And people can reflect you the more they stay in your presence and the more they look at you. They reflect you. Hallelujah. I may probably continue with this, maybe on Sunday, if need be. But changing doesn't come by hearing the word of God. It doesn't. Changes come by being in his presence. I want you to understand that because it's very, very crucial. We may have time to deal with all of that. But I want you to note it. That is why, no matter how many preachings you've had, you have not still been able to change because you have not seen the person behind the word. I'm not talking about the preacher. What the preacher presents, you are supposed to be in the presence of the one he's presenting. That is why I told us, was it Sunday or so? Oh, no, no, no. I think the other one is there. Remember, the gospel of Christ. What the gospel is supposed to present is a person. And the more you behold this person, the more you become like that person. That is what the gospel is meant to do. Now, you can understand this is the reason the law could not make anyone perfect. Though they got a law, they couldn't become because, and I'm going to give you the reason why, the law is not just code, it's supposed to be the essentialities or the characters of the one that gave the laws. So when you look at laws and you don't see the person behind the laws, you can't be, and there's no way you can come to a place of perfection. That is one of the major witnesses of the old covenant. I want to remind you that every person is a reflector. Hallelujah. And the more you behold certain people, the more you become like them. Very important and very crucial. That will help you to determine your relationship. The people you focus on, you automatically at the end become like. 
Because every man is a reflector. And I want you to take that to heart, it's very important. Now, can you turn to the book of 2 Corinthians, for instance? Second Corinthians 3. Hallelujah. Let's look at just one verse. But we shall be dealing with two verses here. Second of comparison. But I want us to look at... Okay, let's just... Let's read from, oh God, come on now. Let's read from, let's read from verse, uh, verse 9. Verse 9. Let's pick up two verses much later. For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceed more in glory. Now it's comparing the two covenants. For even what was glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. For in what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. Remains synonymous to what is permanent. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use such great boldness of speech. Verse 13 said, like Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. But their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil, is, a veil lies on your heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Now get down to verse 18, that's the key. Are we there verse 18? But we all, with unveiled face, beholding us in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, what happened? Are being transformed or changed, what? Into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. How do you become Christ-like? You have to look at Him. You have to see Him. Hearing about Christ doesn't make you Christ-like. Hallelujah. The Bible says we are changed from glory to glory. As we behold him. So, when you see Christ, and that is why sometimes maybe it will help us to understand this, this way as well. If you must look at people. Look at a Christ in them. That may help us. Hallelujah. How much of Christ have been formed in these people? See that aspect of the Christ have been formed in them. That may help us. So you see, hearing about Christ doesn't make us Christ-like. We have to behold him. That is why most often... And the place of prayers, I will say something along that line some other time as well, is very crucial because you see, it is good to pray, and I believe in prayers, and that is one of the places where you can behold his face. 
in your quiet times is one of the places you can really behold the face of the Lord. Very crucial. The more you behold him, the more he communicates to you, the more you become like him. Tell me, have you worked for anyone that have ever hurt you so much in life? But you see, Christ can cry over Jerusalem for his rejection. Hallelujah. Have you come to the place of brokenness because you see somebody that maybe you love so much and you want to spend all your life for if the need be and the person turns around, have you come to the place where you behold in Christ and you begin to weep? Because Jesus went there to die for Jerusalem. But they will, they will not receive him. He worked for them. Christ-like is an attitude. It's a nature. Hallelujah. The more we look at him, the more we become like him. I want to repeat. Hearing about Christ doesn't make you Christ-like. People understand this. Hallelujah. Now, look, look, look at something there. In verse 13. Verse 13 says something. Unlike Moses who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadfastly at the end of what was passing away. What is the implication of that? Let's get to the Exodus 34. Exodus 34. Hallelujah. Let's start reading from verse 33. This is when he went up to the mountain, came back. His face was glorious, shining. And let's start reading from verse number 33. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil. Oh, come on, come on, go back, go back a little bit. Okay, that's all right. But you know the story. Okay, a little bit. Let's go to verse twenty-nine. Night was so when Moses came down from the Mount Sinai, and the two tablets of tablets were in his hands when he came down from the mountain. That. Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone while he talked to him. He did not know that his face was glistering. Where did he pick this glittering substance from? From the presence of Are, are you carrying what I'm talking about? Now understand this. There was no physical being there. Right? There was no physical human being there. Therefore, don't ever begin to imagine, Pastor, how do I see Jesus to see him? <laughs> because there was no physical being called God on the mountain. But we are told Moses was there and the glory of the Lord was on the mountain, isn't it? And when he came back, the Bible said there was a reflection. His face was reflecting the one that he was beholding. Did you get that? Okay. Let's see the implication. 
So when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. Then Moses called to him, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. And after all, the children of Israel came near, and he gave them as commandment all that the Lord had spoken with him on the Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But whatever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take the veil off until he came out, and he would come out and speak to the children of Israel, whatever he had be commanded. Or be commanded. And whenever the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, and the skin of his face shone, then Moses would put the veil on his face again, until he went in to speak with him. Can you see this kind of ministry that Moses was doing? Anytime he gets to the presence of the Lord and he comes out, his face will begin to shine. A change takes place. Right? And that when he wanted to talk to the people, the people said, we can't behold his glory. So essentially what happened, Moses will have to cover his face. Now understand something here. The glory that Moses was actually reflecting was the glory of the new order. I didn't mention it some time ago. There was nothing on earth that would have killed Moses. Because he had tasted of immortality in the presence of the Lord. That is why his eyes were not dim and even at his age. That is why he has to take God himself to kill him and bury him by himself. And one of the major reasons, like I mentioned to you time before, was because if Moses would not die, then Jesus would not die. Because he was going to be a prophet like unto me, Moses said. Say, from among you, like unto me, will God raise for you what? A prophet. Him shall you listen to. So Jesus was like Moses. Now, if Jesus was going to be like Moses, that means Moses would be a prototype or an example of what will finally happen unto Jesus. That is to say, he has to die so that Jesus can do what? Can die. Otherwise, the glory that he had was so strong that death was completely impossible. And that was because he was in the presence of an immortal God. Hallelujah. He was beholding an immortal God. He was listening to an immortal God. So it was impossible for death to really grab hold of him. Completely impossible. And that is why I'm saying... If you have to become like any man, you have to be in the presence of that man continually. Is that okay? That's what we read before in 2 Corinthians 3.18. We can only be transformed into Christ-like as we stay in his presence. Continually. That is not to say, you don't do anything again. That is not to say all you need to do is to continue to be praying all through the day. You don't go to work. I'm not talking about that. But one thing you need to understand is this. There is a consciousness you must carry about who Christ is. All the days of your life, even as you walk. You must carry his consciousness. Anytime, anywhere. Whatever you are doing. Understand that you are in the presence of someone. Hallelujah. You know, the old ones will tell the young ones, don't you steal, because if I'm not seeing you, God is seeing you. Now, I wish you make some real sense out of that statement, to understand that wherever we are, we are in his presence. Not just telling your children not to steal, but give them a consciousness of the fact that you can't hide from his presence. 
David said that. Remember that? If I go to hell, you are there. Go to heaven, you are there. Wherever I find myself, make my bed. You are going to be there. So if we carry that consciousness, wherever and whatever we do, we must understand that the Lord is there and we ought to be reflecting Him. Hallelujah. Now, see the implication of what happened here. Moses covered his face. Therefore, it was not possible. I want to repeat. And this is me. I'm not talking the scripture tells me this or something. But it wasn't going to be possible for the children of Israel to obey the law. Because they don't have what it takes to obey the law. Apart from not hearing God themselves. And faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Now, don't forget this. Uh, maybe I'm going to talk about that. You know, the Bible tells us, and it said, three things are going to abide. Hope, faith, hope, and, uh, and love. Isn't it? How's it going to abide? In the true sense, do we need faith? In the beginning, there was nothing like faith. What God needed was obedience. What did, what did Adam need faith for? To cultivate the ground? I mean, everything was around him. He doesn't need faith. What he needed was what? Obedience. Am I talking to someone here? As long as Adam was going to obey whatever thing God says, everything was at his disposal. He didn't need faith to do anything. Faith is only necessary now to bring us back to the place of obedience. That's the difference of here. We're going to be treated. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Now, these people never had God, so there was no way they can obey God. Practically impossible. And understand it. One of the weaknesses also of the Old Testament was a contract between two. After God has spoken, Moses had recited, if you will, to the people. And he said, we will do with me the sign part of the contract. So it was a contract that was conditional. Are you catching what I'm talking about? If you obey me by doing what you said you would do in signing the contract, I will do this. That was the contract. But in the New Testament, God didn't ask you any question. There was no contract between you and anybody. God took responsibility for the entire new covenant. It is simply me. <laughs> Are you following what I'm talking about? Now, Man has witness, so there was no way he can keep his own part of the old covenant by saying, we will do. But there was witness in him. He didn't hear God, so I can do what he said he was going to do. There was no strength, no faith, because faith coming by what? Hearing. Now, they never had, so I can have faith to believe and to practice what God said. It was not there. And to top it, to top it up, you see, again, when Moses came down, Moses closed the glory so they can't reflect the glory. It becomes practically impossible for them to become anything better than what they were. Because what could transform them was veiled. Did you get this? The thing that can make them to become different people was shut out from them. So it's a, it was a matter of struggle to become. <laughs> Therefore, while you may blame the people, you have to understand certain spiritual implications and principles. Why it was also necessary 
for Moses' face to be veiled because that will have made the Old Testament permanent. Are you catching this? If they have reflected the glory that Moses reflected, then the New Testament will not have no need. And then that will also mean immortalizing immortality in the negative. Death will have been immortalized. Remember I told you some time ago, look at the book of Jude, the Bible says, Satan was also contesting for the body of Moses. You remember that? How many of you remember? Okay. And you must understand the body of Moses has nothing to do with his physical body. Because Jesus buried him by himself. I mean, God buried Jesus in Manchester, Nebo, what do you call that place? By himself. He did that. So Satan wasn't going there to drag the body of Moses with God. But what was the body of Moses? The law. Because the New Testament had to do with the body of Moses, had to do with the church. Is that okay? So the church in the wilderness, as ministered by the law, ruling them by the law, was the body of Moses. So what Satan was dragging for actually was let the Old Testament not be put away so that death and sin will continue. Why? Because it was a law of sin and death. And God delivered from the law of sin and death into the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. The contest was between the law of sin and death and the law of life in Christ Jesus. Satan was trying to say, no, if you remove the law, my powers are gone. Going to 1 Corinthians 15. So the law must not go. And as long as those people were under the law and there was no power within them to stand to do what the law says, death continues. Because they never were able to reflect the glory that was in Moses. Why? Because Moses covered his own glory with the veil. So practically impossible, you can't fulfill any of those laws. The glory was not going to be reflected because Moses had already veiled himself. Hallelujah. So, what Moses actually did was to shut out the glory. Now, watch this. This glory is always reflected and made manifest on the mountains. And that is why you have to talk about Mount of Transfiguration. Amen? You saw what when Jesus was transfigured, the same thing that Moses reflected among Sinai was what Jesus manifested on the Mount of Transfiguration. Are you catching this? The people said they thought he faced and it was glorious, glittering at the noonday sun. The same confession was what Peter, James, and John said about Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. Hmm? And can I tell you something? That is precisely what we all are going to experience and manifest at the fullness of time. That is why I can't remember the South Africa, I preached a message. I said, you can speak about the glory, about the future, but you can't structure it. Because that's precisely what Peter was trying to do. When he said, let's build a tabernacle here. What he was trying to say, let's bring forth Let's, let's bring forth the Feast of Tabernacles. Let's bring forth the mortality into our age. Jesus, let's not proceed. Let's manifest it now. That was his confession. Because he saw something else. Now what do you see? God is a God of times and seasons. Hallelujah. Are you following what I'm trying to make you understand? 
It's very crucial we understand this. So this is why it was not possible for the children of Israel to keep the laws. And this is one of the major reasons Moses had to veil his face before them. Otherwise, he will make the Old Testament permanent. And that will be a negative indices, if you will. Hallelujah. Are you following this? Okay. So to reflect the man, you have to be in his presence. Therefore, those who serve other things. Now, turn with me to the book of Psalm 135. This is very important. Very important. Help me, Father. Thank you. Very important. Are we there in Psalm 135? I can't even get that very quickly. Psalm 135, let's... Uh... Hey, my Bible is refusing to catch up. Okay. <sighs> Hallelujah. 135, let's start reading from verse, uh, verse, verse, verse 15, we do. Verse 15, we do. Are you there? Okay. Look at it. The idols of the nations are silver and gold. The work of men's hands, they have mouths but do not speak. Eyes they have but do not see. They have ears but they do not hear. Nor is there any breath in their mouths. Those who made them are like them. So is everyone who trusts in them. You can stop. Those who made idols are like what? Idols. Why? Because they stay in the presence of idols. <laughs> are you catching this? So you, you, you see, on both ways, that's why I said, man is a reflector. The one you worship, you reflect. At any point in time. So if you are an idol worshiper, the Bible is saying you are just like an idol because you stay in the presence of idols continually. You reflect an idol, an idol spirit. In other words, you don't hear. Hear who? You don't hear God. You can't hear God. You can't speak the words of God. How many of you understand that the words of speak are creative? They have mouth, but they can speak. Also, progress, we need to understand. There are times you don't... I don't know how to pull this. There's a difference between when you pray and when you speak. Amen? How do I know that? God told Moses, don't cry unto me. Don't pray. Speak and let the children of Israel cross over. The receive. Remember that? That was not a time to pray. It was a time to speak. Now, what am I trying to say? Creation came into being through speaking. And Isaiah said the same thing. I'll put my words in your mouth that you may lay the foundation of the earth. Remember that? And create the new heaven and new earth. That's time for speaking. So, when the Bible says, those who worship idol, they are dumb people, they don't speak. What is trying to say? Their words are not creative. And he said, they have ears and they don't hear. Idols can hear God. 
You find that even the children of Israel, the Bible says, according to the prophecy of Isaiah chapter number 6, it said, though they will hear, but they will not hear. Though they have ear, they will not hear. Remember that? The words will just come, they don't hear. And sometimes, you see, it's like we are infected by a idolatry kind of spirit because though God is speaking, we don't still hear. What does that hearing mean? Not a sound, but what? An understanding. Not that we don't hear sound, but we don't understand even what the scripture is saying. We don't understand. That's what it means to hear. They have ears, but they don't hear. They can perceive what God is saying. They can perceive the difference between the living God and the idol that they are worshipping. See, those who serve idols, they are just like idols. What about those who serve God? They have to be like God. That's the difference. Are you catching this? If you serve idols, you are like idols. Then it automatically means if you are serving God, you're going to be like God. The man that serves the idol go to the shrines every day and kneel down or do whatever incantation before an idol, isn't it? Fine. And it comes out and behave like the idol. Therefore, it equally means if you stay in the presence of God, genuinely, if anybody tells me he's worshipping God, he ought to become like God. I, I just want to be frank with you. Let's not just say, well, we know God. No, no, no. The Bible is so plain and so simple. If you stay in the presence of God, you have to be like God. No middle ground. If we are not like him, it also shows how far we are from him. No two ways about that. He said we are changed from glory to glory as we behold the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you catching that? We are changed from glory to glory as we behold him. The more you sit in his presence, the more you are like him. Listen, God is going to add to us. What I mean, add anything materially. But that is not the real thing he wants us to crave for. What he wants us to crave for is to be like him. Because the key word is, let us make man in our image after our likeness. That is the whole thing. So any gospel that will not present God to us, that we can behold him and be like him, to me it's not a true gospel. Hallelujah. I mean, this word is a key word that can make you understand tonight what I'm talking about. That those who serve idols are like what? The idols. Therefore, those who serve God must be like who? Like God. How much of God do we or have we really become? Let's think about it. How much of Him? When, you see, now think about that. Oh, help me. You see, when you become like Him because you are beholding Him, as you go out, you become an expression of what you have behold. Come on. Did you understand what I'm talking about? Yeah. You carry a personality of the one you have reflected to the world. This is what it means for you to be the light of the world. And it's not by how much language or oratory. It's nothing to do with talking. It has to do with your life. 
How much of his glory do you have? How much of his glory do you have? <laughs> you know, <coughs> excuse me. People keep on praying favor, favor. There's nothing wrong with all of that. But you see, I think the, the whole thing is his glory. If we can have his glory, we will definitely find favor. If we can if we can get his glory, if we can be like him, we can find favor. Jesus was, if you if you don't mind, the express image and the glory of God. Remember that? You see, I came to reveal him. He was the express image and glory of God. And the Bible says he finds favor with both men and God. To me, it's automatic. If we can come into the place of his glory. The more we reflect him, the more we become like him. And when we walk out into the society, place of work, business places, you just begin to emit what you've collected. You become an emitter, an expression of the one you have been standing in his front. To a large degree, when you see an idol worshiper, do you recognize them in the street? Do you? It's very obvious the way they behave. Even in their attitude, even in their language, you can readily say this man is an idol worshiper. How else do you think? Is it because you're going to carry a Bible to let people know that you go to church? We must go beyond that. Hallelujah. We must go beyond that. There's a need for us to come to this place of reflecting the one we're worshipping. My concern is to see how much of him I can carry. That is, that is the key thing. How much of him I can carry. I've been praying some prayers a few times now. Last two weeks. It begin to occur to me. begin to bother, to bother in my heart. Strengthening me in different dimensions. I begin to go into certain dimensions of prayers. We may have so many troubles around us, so many pressures around us that sometimes can make us lose faith, but you see, and, and get discouraged and all that. But when God begins to speak to you from another realm, you begin to see that these are not the issues. As far as his life for you is concerned, these are not the issues. There are more present things for him about you as compared to the things sometimes some of us are passing through. And when you begin to draw your attention to some of those things, the next thing you see is the spirit of supplication comes into your life to begin to seek him afresh for the thing that is ministering to your heart. The only problem is when you come out of such a situation for the first 30, 40, maybe one hour, you're in a different world. But when the sun begins to shine, an environment begins to speak again. When your phone rings for certain demands, you find that even all that you were trying to be reflecting from the inner chamber is just dropping. Are you catching this? But the truth of it is, God will come to you. God will visit you. God will make you understand that he has a greater demand for your life. And he's more concerned about you than you are concerned about yourself. He's more concerned about you. It's in my own experience. He's more concerned about you than you are concerned about yourself.
Hallelujah. You know, you know you can preach. Go to church and preach in consecration. But you know people can't even understand or get into what is called consecration until God tells them about consecration. Now, if God speaks to you about consecration, it doesn't mean you go and teach people consecration. Am I talking to someone? How many of you remember the testimony of our brother here who was drinking and smoking? You see? Now, should he jump into the street and say, hey, come on. He has become an evangelist because, I mean, that is what we do. But that is not it. Are you getting what I'm saying now? That is not it. The only way people are going to come to the place of his experience by way of giving thanks to God is when they see him not living the life he was living before. Not because he jumped into the street and said, Hey, God spoke to me. Don't drink again. Hey, God spoke to me. And we call that evangelism. No. Because the power with which he brought you out of that, you're saying it cannot release the power to those people. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? And for you, there are things he wants you to get involved into now. That may be different from what he wants me to be involved in. So he speaks to me on a different platform, just as he speaks to you on a different platform. He knows what you want at this time. That is why your ears must be open. When you come into his presence, you reflect him. Many sided, yes, of course. As we come out reflecting him, there are things we are going to manifest, and there are things you are going to manifest, and people will know that this one has been in the presence of the Lord. It is very obvious that when you stay in his presence, a change takes place. That's the key thing. We are changed from glory to glory. Now, you have to understand. Maybe next week we have to go on to deal with the issue of glory. You must understand. Glory, like I told you, is not just the presence of the Lord, the glory, you know. It's much more than that. Is that okay? Don't forget the word we used last week. Simple definition. What was the glory that Jesus manifested? He turned water to what? To wine. Say the beginning of the miracles of Jesus. He turned water to wine. Is that okay? And he manifested for, for what? His glory. John 2, 11. He manifested forth his glory. What is it? He manifested for what was on, on his inside. And that means you are changed from glory to glory. There are some things you are definitely going to manifest. And there is an increase from it. There is a movement from it. You must also understand that even Jacob, the weight of Jacob was his glory. Is that alright? The weight of Jacob was his glory. Just like we said, the power to raise the dead was the glory of God. Or is the glory of God. Remember that? That means every one of us has a glory. And, and, and what happened? The more we behold him, the more that glory is manifested in different dimensions. But you must understand that there is a glory in your life. And the only way to sharpen and to increase that glory is to be where? In his presence. Hallelujah. It's to be in his presence. So, what are we trying to say tonight? We can only be changed, manifest for our glory, as we behold the Lord. The one you serve, you become like. Can I hear an amen to that? Because whoever is serving an idol is like the idol. Therefore, if we serve God, we have to be like God. Nothing else. 
Don't go on thinking I'm just an ordinary man. You are not an ordinary man. You are a reflector. Hallelujah. You are a body of glory by implication. You are a reflector. Now, if I put a mirror here and the light strikes on it, it's sending by. Remember that? Good. So, it's just like the Bible tells us that when we look at the Bible, it calls the book the mirror. But like I often make you understand, it is not the letter that he wants you to see, it's the Christ in the letters. Because remember, he told the Jewish people in the John, the book of John, he said, You said the scripture. Remember that? For in them you think you have eternal life, and they are dead that does what testifies of me. So you don't read the book and be quoting it. When you read, you are supposed to see Jesus. It's Christ you see. Automatically, one of the ways by which you can reflect him is diligent study of the word of God. Diligent study. And I don't mean perusing. Hmm? You know how to peruse? Or to giraffe? Huh? You're writing an exam at giraffe, you just stretch your neck to find an answer somewhere. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking of diligent study of God's word. In so doing, you come to the place of transformation. You may not even know some of the things happening to you on the inside. But situation comes up and all of a sudden, that man that is bettered within you, by reason of you being in his presence, is made manifest. That's a revelation of him. God wants us to be like him. We can't be anything less. Our goal is nothing short of Christ. Remember fivefold ministry, what he said? Somebody wrote some article recently. I said, don't let anybody talk to you about the fivefold ministry. I just laughed. I wanted to make a reply to that, but I felt this is time-wasting and rubbish. It's time-wasting. It doesn't make sense. You can tell me that five-fold ministry have no place now. When have we all come to the unity of the faith? Have we all come to the place of the maturity of the Son of God? I'm not talking of the Son of Man. Son of God. Huh? Into the measure of the stature of the fullness of the Son of God, not son of man. Have we come to that? And you say the five or ministry is gone. I looked at this in other words. It's, it's all nonsense. There's nobody wasting my energy in replying to this kind of stuff. Doesn't make sense. It's like your theological, you know, how do I put it? People trying to prove <laughs> that they have a place. When well, the truth place, you know, it's just like the Elijah spirit thinking I'm the only one. Hmm? Doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. I, I'm come to think about it. Kingdom ministry or being, it's not an exclusive thing. It's not a seclusive thing. It's not a hermit kind of lifestyle. You can tell me that you are doing kingdom ministry and you are not known. Who told you that? When only Paul and Sarah entered a whole Asia and they said the whole man, the whole land have been turned upside down. Only two men turned the whole place upside down. You are in a community and you are not known. How can that be? How can that be? You are not, you are not carrying the message. You are not carrying it. <laughs> I had an accident, I mean an incident, uh, about two weeks ago or three now. I was driving towards uh, Isoko Dawe and there was this trailer that was in my front. And there was this Okada just as you're entering Ugeli. 
And the way I saw it, something say an accident. Hey, Amen. I said, goodness. How do I shout now for these Okada people to either park or... The, I was just seeing it clearly. And this trailer was not trying to navigate a bend. And the Okada people too were also trying to dodge those pebbles that they just put on the road. The tail of the trailer just dragged them. And they went down crashing and all that. But God was faithful. So I don't know whether because there was administration and maybe... God just decided to intervene. There was no death, serious injuries as it were. But they just slide up there and all that. So I just packed, came out, helped them out and all that. Now the trailer was going because I didn't know what happened. The driver didn't because the tail of the trailer that dragged them off. The guy was on his way. So another guy that was behind me pursued this man and stopped him at the asket of Willy that way. So we sorted out these people, pick one of them in the car assisted and all that. So as I was driving then, I just got to the place. I saw the trailer man, they were arguing and quarreling. I stopped. He said, oh yeah, I was, I was in your back, I was in your back. This man killed people. Did they die? I said, they didn't die. And the man was saying, I didn't know. It's okay. Get me arrested. And they were just talking and saying, please, please, please. You go and then, the man said, go and apologize. I said, listen to me. If you send this man to go and apologize to those boys there, they'll kill him. And if this man is embarrassed or killed or anything happens to him because to them the feel that man is going to die, then you are the one that killed this man. Go. Those people will survive. And he just looked at me and said, Pastor. I said, yes, yes. I was shocked. I don't know him. I have never met with him. I don't know. You don't know who knows you. Hallelujah. We, we, you see, we carry an identity that makes it difficult for us to be in certain places. And if you are conscious of that, then you must know where to be. You must know. You see, some of you, you think, you see, you, it would be better, it would have been better you don't carry this book or bear the name at all. Because the truth is, now you can't hide. Whether you are not a pastor, whether you are a pastor, you can't hide. Wherever you go, you can't hide. Are you getting what I'm talking about now? You just cannot hide. I say, Pastor, well, Pastor, since you said that, I wanted to ask him, but I just said there was no point again to us. Okay, okay, let him go. And because I've spoken, let the man go. I was happy because I'm a pastor. I did a pastoral work there. I saved the soul. Fine. If that is the only thing I've even done in my life, fine. Because I know that man will have gone that day with those, uh, those boys who were ready for the man. They never knew they even stopped him. What am I trying to make you understand? We are reflectors of the one we serve. Are you hearing what I'm talking about? As much as possible, within your spirit, within your inner man, strive to reflect the man that you are serving. And the only way you can do that is to continuously to be aware in his presence. God bless you.